This is Power Athlete Radio. With your host, Denny Cage, Professor Booty, and the Luke Summers. And now, toes forward, hips locked, shoulders set, and retract those scapulas. It's time for some knowledge bombs. tuning into Power Athlete Radio. This week, John, Luke, and Tex talk with 2014 Highland Games champ and self-proclaimed Drifta Lifta, Matt Vincent. When Matt isn't training, competing, or sweating his balls off in his garage gym, he's out traveling the world. His thirst for knowledge has only grown after rubbing elbows with besties Jim Wendler and Kelly Starrett. In this episode, you'll hear about Matt's athletic journey from track and field to football to endurance sports, and then finally settling into the fringe world of powerlifting strongman and Highland Games. His recent competitions and work have led him to travel domestically and abroad and meet the people who have inspired his training. Matt's refreshing take on surrounding himself with people who are positive and generally badass is what he feels allows him to find fulfillment. Here's episode 123. What's happening, Power Athlete Nation? Welcome to another episode of Power Athlete Radio. This is Denny. I'm here with John, Luke, and Tex, and Levi. And our guest today is the 2014 Highland Games champion, Matt Vincent. I believe he won the 2012 and the 2014 Highland Games. And he's a collegiate thrower as well at, uh, from LSU. Uh, Matt, thank you for taking some time to uh, join us on the show. Yeah, looking forward to it. Hey, uh, um, Matt, uh, Danny, before you go down the, the, the fucking rabbit hole here, uh, Matt, can you give us <laughs> a, like, uh, the brief listeners? Because, like, I have actually been to a Highlands Games uh, event and got to watch them, but I don't know if the listeners or the people are that familiar with it. So we could obviously pause this thing and, like, let them all go watch fucking YouTube. Or we can kind of get a play-by-play on some of the events. I mean, like the caber toss and some of the cooler ones. Yeah, and, sure. Uh, so uh, yeah. we do a standard eight events, and there's sometimes we do a ninth. Uh, the standard eight is we uh, throw two stones, just like the shot put. We throw a heavy and a light stone. Uh, usually the heavy in America you throw standing, just kind of uh, like a standing shot put throw, and it's usually about 22 pounds. Uh, then we go to an open stone, and you basically throw it any way you want to, either uh, spinning or um, you know, gliding, typical shot put techniques, and uh, it's about 16 pounds. It weighs the same as a collegiate shot put. And then we throw two weights for distance, which uh, look like a steel block with a couple links of chain and a ring on it. You throw it with one hand, so we throw a 56-pound for distance, and we throw a 28-pound for distance. Then we throw two hammers, uh, a 22 and a 16. Uh, it is a steel ball on the end of a stick, about um, 50 inches long or so, and you anchor into the ground with these gnarly boots and uh, spin it around your head and fling it as far as possible without dying. Then we throw the caber, um, which is the telephone pole everyone's used to seeing, and then there is um, the weight over bar. We throw a 56-pound weight over a bar above our heads. And then the last one that they throw in occasionally on us is a sheaf, which is a 20-pound burlap bag that we throw with a pitchfork. 
And uh, so I get to occasionally travel with my own pitchfork, as much fun as that is. Which one would you say is your favorite event of all those? Coming from a you know a shot put background, I'm a I'm a stone thrower at heart, but I seem to be a better weight thrower than any of my other events. All right, so now, like Denny, I guess going back to your question, so tell us what uh, I guess uh, what, what the training looks like to to prepare one for these specialized events. I mean, are you doing are you running the events over and over and over, uh, or are uh, like what does the skill transfer look like? So my training usually breaks down into, you know, three days of typical strength training, and I really follow kind of a, you know, a, a sub-maximal lifting plan where, I, you know, I make sure I bench squat, deadlift, overhead press, uh, clean snatch every week. And uh, the percentages and weights vary depending on where I'm at in the season and what kind of the goal of that moment is. And other than that, yeah, I try to throw about three days a week as well, and I usually will hit a couple of events and really, you know, whether I'm working on Say right now, late in the season, it's a little bit more intensity focused on the you know training where I want to be able to hit a big throw kind of quick out of the gate instead of, you know, depending on that I need to throw 20 throws before I can get it done, I need to be able to do it in about four. Um, early in the season or off season, I'll take 20 or so throws and really work on technique and keep the intensity a little bit lower. But yeah, I throw an awful lot. There's really no way to go about it. It'd be kind of like, a, you know, deciding you want to be really good at basketball but never never picking up a ball would be a really bad idea. We, um, uh, well, I mean, that actually makes sense. I mean, that's, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of crazy people mm -hmm. that are like, oh, no, I just go and lift weights, but I should totally be able to do these. But uh, we, it's uh, kind of like sprinting in our world. Like, people are training athletes but never have them sprint. Well, that's why when they sprint, they fucking blow hamstrings and everybody gets <laughs> yeah. hurt. Like, people are like, oh, I fucking train every day. I, you know, I haven't missed a training day of 700 fucking workouts. <laughs> and yet they do, like, one max effort type of, like, 30-yard sprint and, like, blow both hamstrings. And I'm like, well, what it's the It's really strange. People don't realize how little a squat transfers into sprinting at a max speed. Well, it's because one is a bilateral hip hinge and the other right. one is a, uh, you know. Ablation. Yeah, I mean, so, but uh, uh, when, when I first got out of the NFL and we started, uh, you know, CrossFit football and some of the original training stuff I did, uh, we had a guy named Josh Grace, who was a, a Highlands Games competitor, and he ended up hitting me up, and uh, Big Josh lived up in uh, Santa Rosa, where he still does. And he, uh, I remember he was like, hey, can you help me with my programming a little bit? And I remember he sent me all these videos of, um, I mean, he's an over 40 guy at the time, so I don't know if you could probably see him, but he was pretty competitive for a while. And I remember he sent me, like, endless amount of videos. And I remember thinking to myself, uh, this is by far some of the coolest shit. So if anybody here is listening, you should definitely go out and check this stuff out. I mean, my favorite one is, and, and I fucking I'll fuck up the names, but uh, the one where you basically throw the uh, the block on the handle over the, the tall, uh, like, um, uh, fucking pole vault. Deal. Yeah, weight over bar. Yeah, the weight over bar. Dude, yeah. when that thing's coming down, I'm always waiting for somebody to get brained and not get out of the way. But most no, of the smart guys fucking run. That happened once. You really? <laughs> yeah, and you know, I, one of the books I'm talking about, and that's a question I always get, and, and like one of my responses is like, man, if you're not athletic enough to throw something out of your hand and have it not da come down and kill you, this may not be the sport for you. Or you should just basically oh, fucking die. Yeah, just take it right in the fucking teeth and call it a day. Yeah, and just be like, hey, you know what? Like, I, you know, I probably shouldn't fucking be on this planet if I can't get out of the way. It's like, uh, Jesus, it came I, out of your hand. No one snuck up on you. I, I think one of the other ones I saw was a dude was running with the caber, and as he went to throw it, like when he he didn't get extension, he like extended forward, and the caber hit him in the chin and like basically fucking took his head off. So and I remember thinking, I, I remember thinking to myself, uh, either. 
people, and, and you know what, this happens to us all the time, and we teach seminars and travel all over, and I'm always amazed by people's inability, like, just to follow <laughs> the first rule, which is uh, survival. survival. Yeah. Like, uh, hey, I'm going to go for a heavy 1RM on the back squat, and as I'm not getting it, instead of throwing it backwards, I'm just going to fucking shoot my hips up, duck my head, and throw the bar over my head. Like, oh, I, I've seen that one, and, like, I, I literally am, like, uh, like, you're like, oh, it seemed like the best option at the time. I'm like, really? Because dumping 500 pounds over my head doesn't seem like the best option, just letting it fall off my back. or, I mean, we see people do shit all the time where it's like, uh, you know, I mean, but, you know, may, maybe some people are a little more daring than us. Um, I just yeah, figured, I like. Know. I don't understand why people don't just walk out from under it. It seems like the obvious move for me. I haven't trained in a squat rack in the better part of a decade and, you know, just it's not real terribly difficult. <laughs> so what uh, what would you say your best event is? Like, what's the one that you really uh, ex- um, fucking excel at? Like, if all of a sudden everything's tied up with the best guys in the world and you get to pick the last event to go into it, what's the one that you want to see? Uh, I'd really like to go with the Open Stone. That's uh, that's the one. That's been my bread and butter. I've tied the world record there, and um, that, I've always been a big fan of the Stone for sure. It's it's a trickier event, and you. Uh, it, it just, I don't know. I got a shot put background, so I figure I'm a shot putter by trade. I should be able to do that one well. Are you a glide guy? Or are you a spin? I was a glider in college. Uh, luckily, not getting along with a coach and having him uh, talk to me about the spin for just about 15 minutes one day and me trying it for just about as long. He said, no, you're a glider, which makes a shitload of sense since I'm six foot tall and have short ass arms. Sure. So why why would you get the idea to use centrifugal force to, to fucking? Yeah, no, it would be fucking because I had a terrible coach. Um, <laughs> isn't uh, that, isn't that always the case? Yeah. You have, so, great, you have greatness in front of you, and it's a fucking bad coach. <laughs> let's let's, you know? let's not throw the term fucking greatness around too easy there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and so you know, since since then, I taught myself to spin. Uh, using, you know, just throwing. I mean, I knew how, basically, or what it was supposed to do and what the mechanics of it were. So I taught myself how and actually added six feet to uh, my PR from college to throwing with a stone and grass. So God forbid I would have hated to do that when I was actually moving well. Damn. I um, I, I threw the shot and did the discus in, uh, in high school, and I really did it because uh, I wanted to join the track team. Because I had this illusion that if I joined the track team, I could like somehow have somebody coach me and learn how to run, and I could become faster. And also, <laughs> it, was, it was way better to go if I could try to run with a bunch of track girls than it was to basically do the baton death march, is what we called our off-season oh. uh, running program in high, in, in high school. So I knew, like, all right, so wait a minute, all I got to do is uh, basically go throw the shot in the disc, and and then I get to chase some fucking hot girls around the track. I'm like, I'm totally in on this, which was yeah. good because I actually learned how to run. But uh, I learned pretty quickly that uh, I was not a real great shot putter or discus thrower. Um, so thank God football panned out for me and I got to go play in the NFL because if I had yeah, right. fucking, it like it worked it, out. Yeah, it, it worked out. But I, I always was uh, had a, a pretty good respect for the guys that could do it and, uh, you know, be able to, you know, really put the time for it to be able to, like, you know, I mean, like one, one of the guys we had, like, to the point of, like, setting up, uh, you know, fucking – footprints on the on the you know on the ring for his spin on the shot because he wanted to hit him exactly perfect i mean people took real dedication and i always appreciate like if somebody sees one thing and it's like i want to be a master of this i always kind of appreciate that whereas for football it's that kind of 
uh, non-linear, fucking non-repetitive sport where you get to, you know, basically just try to out-athlete people, and I think I excelled at that a little bit. But, uh, no, I mean, I always love watching the, the Highland Games stuff. I mean, we'd go out to, when I, when I went to Berkeley, we'd always go out to the to the big Highland Games Festival. Um, I think it was in Pleasanton. Yeah, I just got back from there this weekend. Yeah, so I, I went out when I was in college a couple times and watched the guys, and uh, I always was fucking, it, it always looked like a lot of fun, the mere fact that people were drinking beer in between events, I always thought was way better than fucking playing football. Yeah, it's a great loophole of athletics that I found. <laughs> so you found your niche, and you fucking yeah. stay in your niche. That's fucking found awesome. my niche and stay in my niche. Now I dabble in stuff, you know, occasionally. I'll do a weightlifting meet or a powerlifting meet in the offseason just to, just to fuck off and kind of keep the, uh, you know, competition edge sharp. I, I, I like competing, and whether I'm the best in the room at it or not really doesn't make much of a fuck to me as long as I'm improving. And so, hey, man, yeah. your, your brother, uh, he's, a, he's a power athlete. Um, did, For sure. Did he, uh, did he compete in the Highland Games at all? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, um, he's, you know, he's a top ten professional. For the last uh, three years, he was out in Pleasanton this last weekend at the World Championships. I think he finished ninth or eighth, I believe. Yeah. And, uh, and he, he played the NFL, correct? Yeah, he, he got gifted with the much better fucking genetics between the two of us. <laughs> so, what was that like growing up? You two, do you have any other brothers and sisters? Or was it was just no, like it's you just, guys? No, it's just the two of us. I mean, other than being absolutely hell on my parents' grocery bill, I just, I remember we were really competitive with each other. You know, nothing nothing crazy, but, you know, whether we were going to play Madden on uh, the Super Nintendo or play basketball in the driveway, I mean, Usually somebody was going to finish the game bleeding. And, you know, it was always fun. It was always fun. And since then, you know, once we got, uh, or at least I got out of college, was really the first time we'd ever had a chance to compete, you know, against each other or with each other at the same time um, with, uh, with Highland Games or Strongman. Since he was five years ahead of me, you know, we weren't in high school at the same time and we didn't go to the same college and he was doing football while I did track. We really never had been on the same team. We had never competed head-to-head in any real thing. And so it, it's been a lot of fun. And not to mention, I get to kind of travel the country and world with my brother now and throw rocks in fields. It's pretty great. Uh, where did your brother play football? Uh, Texas A&M. I played Texas A&M. And then what, what years was he there? He finished in 2000. So 96 to 2000. 96 to 2000. And he went on playing play in the NFL? Yeah, played uh, two seasons. Played a year with Detroit and played a year with Miami. Uh, played practice team with Detroit the whole time he was there, and then got moved up to the roster in Miami, and then uh, he he walked away, walked was out he, of it. What was he offensive lineman? Yeah, offensive lineman. Uh, we'd be about the same age. My first year was '99. Oh, right so, on. Yeah. So yeah, I got drafted in '99 and uh, went to the Eagles and then played there for five years. So yeah, we'd be about the same age. Um, I would have to look him up and see if I remembered him, but. Uh, I mean, you know, I, it's, it's such a small, <laughs> it's just, it's such a small community of people. Like people always like, Oh, you know that guy? I'm like, you know, uh, we watch so much film on people that like, you know, you kind of know who everybody is, at least in your position. And then when you finally meet them, you're like, Oh fuck, I've been watching you for years. And you kind of <laughs> yeah. like develop this dislike or like of people like based on how they kind of play. And then you meet people and they always end up being, <laughs> you know, pretty good fuckers. Cause most yeah, of the guys I, that, you know, yeah, just a bunch of fucking kind of in that world kind of got the same, you know, same shit going on. But, you know, it's, a, it's all kindred spirits. It's all the same type of folks that excel at those things. Yeah, it's usually just some, some big dudes who want to drink some beer, lift some weights, and fucking go out and beat wholesale ass. I mean, it's really yeah, exactly. pretty simple. You know, I mean, it, it was uh, some of the other assholes that tried to overcomplicate shit. 
I'm like, hey, man, life's going to be fucking more complicated enough, dude. Just, like, let's leave it easy. Let's keep it simple and just go out and have some fun and do this. Well, people have a tendency to fuck up really good things on a regular basis, so. <laughs> Why is that? Why is that? I have no idea. Because, you know why? Because everyone wants some fucking magic bullet or secret that makes everything all better. And the truth is there isn't one. It's just fucking really hard work over a long time and consistently doing it. That, that'll solve everyone's fucking problems. You want to be happy? Do something that makes you happy every fucking day for a really long time. You know, yeah. It's yeah. not just going to show up and wait for you. No, I, I think, uh, but but it, isn't that kind of uh, what our society has has kind of blown into? Like, uh, you know, I mean, uh, not to go off on a fucking rant here, but uh, <laughs> it's like we deal with this shit all the time. It's like, hey, um, how do you get strong? It fucking takes a lifetime. Like, you start as a yeah. beginner. It's like, uh, you know, like we've been recently dealing with people that are, you know, convinced that if they just add butter to their coffee, they'll somehow be fucking healthy. And I'm like, it's, it's like all these fucking, like, or, or these other assholes that uh, uh, are biohackers. Like, anybody that tells me they hack their own DNA or they're a biohacker, instantly the bullshit meter goes through the fucking roof. I'm and so glad like, that I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I could just stay in my fucking little world down here. and. and but, I mean, if, if, if somebody hits you up and was like, hey, I'm a biohacker, I hacked my own code, I can figure all this shit out, when you'd be like, yeah, you're full of dog shit. Get the fuck out. Yeah. I'm like, sounds good, man. Have a great time. <laughs> yeah. Go fuck yourself. And more importantly, can you, can, you put some, yeah, can you put some diesel in my truck? Because your biodiesel ain't going to fucking work for me. Yeah. Yeah. People people miss the point. I mean, that's you know kind of the standard question. You know, a lot of the questions I get is, you know, I'm looking to get strong. I'm fucking 15. You know, what do you recommend me doing? I recommend you, you squat moderately heavy for some reps once a week for the rest of your life. It'll take care of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, no, I, I mean, we, we, uh, we've seen people that have uh, come and done a program, and what they do is they end up program hopping, and they come back like five years later, and they're like, oh, yeah, no, no, everything worked really well. I've added 10 pounds to my squat in the last five years. Great and then work. We, and then, then, then we had another kid who uh, followed a program for like four years and uh, fucking squatted like 800 and benched 565 for reps, and I think he's what the starting guard just for. just started game week one. Yeah, started week one, came in and started as a true freshman at what, uh, at, uh, Tex, where's where's Brayden at? What's that? Where's Brayden starting at? Uh, I don't, fuck, I don't know. Clemson. Clemson? Is it Clemson? Regardless. No, 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 no. Auburn. So Auburn. He's, Auburn. he's currently a, a true sophomore, and uh, he's starting for Auburn and just dominating. Yeah, he's crushing it. So, I mean, it's pretty amazing, like, when you see, like, if you just follow the plan and, like, be consistent and keep working and don't look mm -hmm. for fucking magic bullets, like putting butter in your coffee, because fucking butter should be used on eggs and whatever else and fucking muffins. Bacon. Bacon. You got to butter up your bacon. Yeah, I mean. Nothing wrong with a little butter in your coffee. <laughs> but uh, you honestly think that, like. No, I don't think it does like, anything other than add some fucking fat to my diet. That's easy well, fuck. Okay, man. That, that's what we're fucking talking about. Like, you, if, you, if you like fucking butter in your coffee, then fucking put it in there. But at least admit it. You know, it fucking tastes good. But don't be like, oh no, there's great health benefits and it's somehow gonna make me fucking better. I'm like, you know what? Uh, no, it's not gonna fucking work. But that's the fucking world we live in, where everything is this like little hack or this. Or you only have to do this to try to find like the secret fucking deal. Uh, no secrets, man. That's the secret. I remember uh, Kelly Starrett told me that uh, he went and gave a presentation about his book, Supple Leopard, and, you know, he has, like, fucking 8,000 stretches in there, and then but if you do them all, you'll uh, you'll basically reach level 99 of Supple Leopard, where you can, <laughs> you, can, you can actually blow yourself, and then you don't have to leave the house. The and uh, he gives a thing. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, he, he reached it. He just doesn't leave the house. He blows himself all the time. Um, but at the deal, if somebody raised their hand and they're like, well, which ones do I really need to do? Like, what's the most important ones to have me get there as fast as possible? And he's like, well, it's like a holistic deal. You have to, like, kind of test and retest, and you kind of follow all these. And based on your dysfunction, it kind of is like a choose-your-own-adventure based on who you are. Yeah. Well, okay, that's fine. But which ones do I really need to do to kind of just, like, jump through this to, to get to the end? And all motherfuckers. Like, do all of them. Yeah, it, it just, it, but I mean, that's that's our iPhone society, man. That's what's yeah, really it, fucking cup about. How about you do yourself a favor? Why don't you just start out and follow the blanket fucking program, and then from that decision, after about six months, make a decision of what's working, what's not working, and where my weaknesses are, and then fix things. One variable at a time. Ugh. Matt, I'm curious how you really got into this whole thing. Did you follow your brother to this sport or just kind of stumble upon it, you know, wasted followed, in a bar? Yeah, I followed my brother into Strongman. Um, at the time I'd finished college, I was uh, struggling owning a bicycle shop and uh, got out of that uh, so that I could actually have a job that made some money and got back into lifting uh, after a failed uh, – failed a couple years of being an endurance athlete, which I wasn't very good at. Big surprise. And then uh, followed him into Strongman and enjoyed the training. And then, you know, I really enjoyed training Strongman and I fucking hated competing in it. So eventually I stopped doing it and then I uh, moved into powerlifting and trained with, uh, you know, there's a coach down here, uh, Gary Frank is a lifter. And so I trained with him for a couple years and did, did some gear stuff and uh, done some raw lifting, and then uh, found a Highland Games that was local, went and did one, and really enjoyed it, and threw well, and then decided to uh, find more of those to do, and, and just got kind of off the deep end in it. You stated earlier you taught yourself all these skills. How did that first competition go? Was that your first time picking some of these things up? Um, there was a local guy in Baton Rouge who had done one, but I would not say he was a coach level of anything, um, but he had a couple implements and things like that, so I got to give it a try. I mean, really, I mean, I can't say I taught myself the skills as much as, I mean, they're all variations of the, you know, the Olympic throws. I mean, if you, basically, if you are looking to get into the Highland Games and you were a decent to very average thrower in college and you did disc, shot, and hammer, it's basically having a cheat code for, for trying to enter the sport. So was it something that you went out and did this and were like, hey, I'm pretty good at this, now I like it? Yes. Okay. Because, I, yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. I'm like, hey, I didn't necessarily like football, but I was pretty good at it, which made me like it even more. If I, uh, if right. I had sucked at it, I probably wouldn't have played. Like all these people are like, oh, I loved it with a passion. I was terrible. I wouldn't give up. I'm like, honestly, I didn't really like it that much. There's going to be something I could do. So uh, I kind of liked it at that point. So it's like being yeah. at the Lantern, which is like my, my hometown bar, and then seeing a girl that's kind of hot, and then you find out she's into you and she's a 10. Fucking totally. You know what? That's the secret. Dude, I tell people that's a secret to life. Find somebody who likes you. Yeah. Like, fucking like guys that. are like, oh, yeah, I can't meet a girl. I'm like, no, 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 no. Just find out whoever likes you, and then that's who you like. It's way fucking exactly. easier. It's exactly the truth. Yeah. So, man, yeah. I guess you get into it, and then let's fast forward a little bit to, to HV3. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So, uh, the hate. Um that's uh, kind of how that breaks down. So it's H with a Roman numeral for eight. Uh, hate uh, felt that was easier than actually writing uh, hate, whereas people would kind of uh, misinterpreted that as the negative connotation to hate. Um, well, and, and it's trademarkable. That's true. 
That's true. That's the big thing. It's all about the bucks. Yeah, I was going to say, I, mean, I, I hope you've I trademarked got, it. I got fucking tens of dollars rolling in. So. <laughs> I got all these zeros in my bank account. It's right. I keep my bank account in the red the way I like it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so my brother and I had kind of talked about the hate, you know, and stuff like that, kind of always, you know, looking at athletes and, you know, for, for people who competed our entire lives, we weren't ever really, and still aren't, we're not sports fans by any fucking stretch. I mean, I don't honestly give a shit how LSU's football team does or never did while I was in college. I'm not a diehard fan of any team. I've always liked athletes. And uh, and so, I mean, there was always guys that I was, you know, that I like to follow, dudes that just had the work ethic and, and, and could just outwork everyone. And there was something special about that that we always kind of referred to as, you know, that guy's got the hate, you know, just hates himself. He's willing to go out there and die, you know, and that, that, that ability to suffer more than your opponent is what it's all about. And so, you know, I take a lot of pride in that. I take a lot of pride in that, you know, that I'm willing to outwork other people that I, that I'm, I'm not forced to do any of this shit. You know, I've got a, a train in my garage by myself and, it's, you know, 96 in my garage right now. It's miserable. And so I'll get in there and do my fucking work, and then I'll go throw in a field by myself and get all the work in. I'm, no one's holding me accountable but me. And I think I think that's something a lot of people have missed is it's, you know, trust in yourself and build that own confidence from your own work. Uh, you know, kind of the short of it is it's, uh, you know, self-motivation through a bit of uh, self-loathing. It's just not tolerating your own bullshit of how fucking soft we are with, oh, well, I'm tired today, and I don't need to work out. Like, fuck, I sat in a truck. It's not exactly like I roofed a house all day or uh, defended my you know, defended my country or got invaded by an army. I sat in an air-conditioned vehicle. God forbid I'm, I'm too tired to lift. So that that's a little bit of it. <laughs> so, Matt, do you think that, that that hate is something that you're born with? Or do you think that you can no, actually mentor and train somebody? It into... comes honestly, and I'm gonna fucking jump in. It comes honestly from having an older brother because I grew up with two <laughs> older brothers. It's all his fault. Well, no, it, it is like you grow up your whole fucking life fighting against people that are bigger and older than you, and doing nothing but working to belittle and uh, destroy you as a fucking yeah. human being. So you develop at a young age this like kind of. I mean, the hate's a great way. I mean, I got two older brothers. My one brother's five and a half. My other brother's three and a half years older than me, and all we did was fucking battle, and then by the time I got to high school and I finally got to battle against people my own age, I, uh, they were like, God, you have such a bad attitude. I'm like, yeah, because you have to, or you're going to get your fucking ass kicked. And like, right. I don't think other people that grew up having, you know, uh, like Luke's got a sister, so he, you know, I, I, I've become his fucking circuit, um, surrogate hate, <laughs> and uh, by just know. fucking doing nothing. But like, you know, you grew up with brothers, all they do is belittle you, and um, I firmly believe that actually ridicule and belittling is the final evolution of strength training. That like you, you can get fairly strong to a point, but to really take it past a certain level, you have to have somebody there that's going to belittle you and uh, fucking try to break you down every day. And only after that can you really reach the nirvana of strength. Yeah, you know, I never understand fucking people that are comfortable being in a gym where they're the strongest, best dude there. Fuck that. You know, I, I, I want to be somewhere where there's shit to learn. And there's, you know, other people around me that are better than me. I mean... The whole fucking check your ego thing. I mean, for fuck's sake, no one cares how at the end of all this and the, when when life punches out, no one's gonna give a shit about how much I squatted or how far I threw a rock. But how many fucking you know, life experience. Yeah, 
you know, the life experience that comes behind it of, you know, trying to better myself and always pushing forward and trying to learn or trying to help other people. I mean, that's shit that matters. I always think, too, uh, at least I, I really hope this happens in this fucking life, but I imagine everybody, like, I'm a, this is kind of one of the things that drives me a little bit is um, on your fucking deathbed, like, the doctor tells you you got three weeks to live and you're laying there and, you know, you're on your deathbed and people are around you. Like, at some point, you're going to have to look back and think to yourself, like, did I make a difference? Am I happy with the body of work I fucking created? Uh, are the people around me there because they fucking either respected me, loved me, or they're legitimately there to, like, comfort you, or are they there just waiting for you to fucking die so they can hope to God that some lawyer reads them that they gave them a buck? Or yeah. uh, nobody's fucking there? And because I, I always think, like, okay, so you have a million and a half followers on Instagram, which is awesome, <laughs> because you basically post fucking naked pictures of yourself 27 times a day, nice. but at your fucking dark... I, know, it's I do not I, have I, I follow you, too, because I'm a fucking degenerate. But <laughs> at that fucking moment, like, you know, you think yeah, about but I don't it, respect like, them. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not doing it because I fucking respect you. I'm there That's because right. I like it's entertainment. But you think about like, uh, you know, am I happy with 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 not only who I am? You know, did I live to a you know uh, a set of principles like like Luke and I've been having this uh, ongoing conversation a little bit, and it, it stemmed from uh, one of the guys on CrossFit uh, posted up a, a a thing on Facebook about one of the generals or you know some high ranking military official was uh, recommending that this Marine gets. Uh, court-martialed because he went into a house in Afghanistan and there's a custom in Afghanistan where the older men rape the boys. He goes in and basically fucking sees a guy and drills him and beats him up. And this guy was calling for his court-martial because that's uh, in the custom of the Afghani people that that's like, totally acceptable. And so these people were outraged by it. And he's like, well, if you don't believe in God and you're not an atheist or you believe in these people's God, and it was kind of a philosophical deal. So now Luke and I have this constant battle of, uh, you know, is there a fucking right and wrong, and is right and wrong based on your perception? And like a global moral ground, regardless of belief system. Hello, yeah, exactly. Like, everybody should be born with a certain set of fucking beliefs, and then it's like, you know, and the, the fact that you don't subscribe to them basically either makes you a fucking cop-out or you're fucking morally bankrupt. But, like, part of the thing I think about is, like, hopefully, you know, you can look back and be like, you know what, I worked my ass off, I influenced people, I was a good fucking person. Or more importantly, I, I fucking ground, and it wasn't just, everything wasn't handed to me that I actually did a body of work that I'm fucking proud of. Now fucking kill me. Yeah, right on. Uh, you know, I, I fully fucking agree with that. And, man, I don't know. I don't know if there is, I think there's a lot of right and wrong that comes with perception. I think that's, that's for sure. Um, but I think there is some some level of decency, and I think maybe that, even, even if it's as simple as just, is what I'm currently doing make me a piece of shit? And if the answer is yes, fucking stop. And physically harming someone for some fucking tradition or hazing or any of that type of shit kind of makes you a piece of shit. Um, you know, fucking touching kids makes you a piece of shit. Um, yeah, I, I don't know why you have to have some cultural, like, culturally acceptable deal to be able to do it. Or right. uh, my, my favorite one is um, I, I've been, uh, you know, the Ashley Madison deal where these guys were on there, and then their fucking emails get put out, and they go and they commit suicide. And I'm like, if this was something that you were, you know, and there's a Johnny Cash song that goes fucking, what you do in the dark comes to the light, you know, and I always yeah. think like, uh, fuck, I can't remember for the life of me what it is right now. I just heard, because uh, Sunday morning's basically Johnny Cash day at my house. It's all we listen Makes to my sense. girls to try to uh, combat the fucking nonsense of music and try to introduce some good stuff. 
But uh, in it, like that, that line goes, and I remember fucking thinking, I'm like, dude, if you are going to join a site and do something that if the fucking all of a sudden came to light that the only fucking out you have is a fucking gun to your mouth, you probably should have killed yourself before you fucking even logged in the site. Or you yeah. probably should do that. Whereas all of a sudden have we, you know, people are blaming, oh, these hackers. I'm like, dude, those guys just fucking made information available to people. It's not my fault that you're a fucking degenerate and that you're worried about people finding out about it. Then don't fucking do it. You know, it's fucking, it, it would also amazes me that I've gotten a big kick out of is the other information that's now come out from that hack is that, like, there are more women in America named Ashley Madison than there were actually women on that site. Yeah. <laughs> so like, like, more than 90% of the female users on that site were, were men paid to play the role. It was actually, uh, it was actually, they hired, because there was a lady yeah. who actually sued them for carpal tunnel syndrome because she was having to create, like, 40 profiles a day and steal pictures and create God. stuff. And it was something like of the 30% of their, which was 10,000 subscribers, there was less than like 50,000 actually legitimate women on that site. So it was a bunch of fucking dudes subscribing to like fake fucking profiles in the hope that they were going to get some weird fucking hookup. So strange to me. Yeah. Isn't that well, what they call Facebook? Yeah, I, you know... Maybe. I don't know, Danny. I've been <laughs> out of the loop so long. But getting late really wasn't ever that difficult. Well, Danny, it's my face. It's my Danny, I, I, uh, I've, I've been so far out of the loop, but um, uh, like as I fucking have told some people, I'm like, hey, I got a, a wife. I have uh, twin daughters, and I have a mom. That's four women uh, in my life. The last thing I need is another woman in my life. Uh, Danny uh, has ten daughters. Uh, dude, I mean, that and, I uh, know of. I mean, well, yeah, yeah. Uh, that I know of. Diddy, don't you have like a hundred daughters? Like you're like a harem over there. I, you know what? I mean, I keep getting these emails and phone calls, but I, I just, I don't answer them anymore. I, yeah, I, I think it's a bullshit. You know, my my wife's pregnant right now with number three, and I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna be that dude with three daughters, and I'm gonna have a mom, a wife, and three daughters. I'm gonna have five women in my life, and the last thing I'm ever gonna want to do is some other girls talk to other women. I'm like, nah, I'm good. I'm just out here with my dogs. At least they're men, or they. Word until my wife went down fixed. <laughs> you know, I, John, I got these lyrics for you, and they're pretty powerful if you're ready. What the Johnny Cash? Yeah. What's the song? Uh, it's it's God's gonna cut you down. Yeah, 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 yeah. God, God's gonna cut you down. Well, you may throw your rock and hide your hand, work in the dark against your fellow man, but sure as God made black and white, what's done in the dark will be brought to light. I'm telling you, there is a. Um, uh, Eric Church has a song um, that's basically like, uh, I think it's called Rock and Roll or, or Country Rock Jesus or something that I heard. And in it, he said a long-haired you know, country boy basically preaching from the book of Johnny Cash. And I, I, I heard the, the lyric, and uh, you know, like, people like songs for melodies or whatever, or who the fuck they are. I don't really care about the melody as much, but like, uh, words speak to me. And as I like heard that song, I was like, you know, I, I'm I'm pretty good with that. Like that's that to me that was uh, made me an Eric Church fan. And uh, I just because like we listen to it all the time, and like there's so many good lyrics and just such a good message in it. But yeah, I always think like, man, for those people, man, I wish somebody had sent them that song. Like, hey, what you do in the dark is gonna come to light. So you know, if you're a piece of shit, eventually people are gonna find out. And you know what? Even yep. if they don't, on your fucking deathbed, you're gonna have to sit there and look back and be like, yeah, I was a piece of shit. I didn't do fucking anything with my life. Awesome. You know, one of the one of the things that I always think about, kind of, you know, is you know my own motivation, and you know, uh, you know, I don't particularly believe in much of an afterlife. Uh, so, you know, one of the things I always think about is, 
I've really only got one shot at today, and I've definitely only got one shot at this life. There isn't this, you know, I don't ever get to fucking relive tomorrow, you know, yesterday, and I only get tomorrow once. And so when all the chips have fucking fallen, I mean, did I just fucking waste a bunch of time? Did I sit around and fucking do nothing? I mean, for the for the giant expanse that is this universe that we have, there's only really a small window of it that we get to explore and enjoy. And there's some really fucking cool stuff here, and there's some really great people, and there's a lot of really great stuff to learn from them. And I, I just want to see and do as much of that as I fucking possibly can, you know? And if I can influence other people to be, you know, think that way, you know, about having better life experience and doing doing more or shaping someone else's day, fuck, that, I, I'm way into that, you know? Just Matt, so on, on that vein about, you know, so many people to meet, and uh, a lot of people, I was almost one of these guys who grew up in the same 10-mile radius. I mean, born, yeah. raised... Uh, high school, college, got a job. Like I was gonna be that guy. I was imagining, you know, future uh, Luke Summers Juniors playing on the same Memorial Stadium I played on, shit like that. But uh, since coming out to California, I've, I've been super fortunate to travel around the world and uh, and educate, inform, and also learn. And uh, I know you just going back to what you said. Tell us a little bit about the drift of lifter and the motivation behind that and what that's all about. I thought that was super cool as I was reading through a lot of your info. Yeah, so the, the Drift to Lifter series came about as uh, about uh, seven years ago now. I got an outside sales job working for an industrial uh, hardware company in the petrochemical industry. My sales territory basically covered not Houston. So anything outside of Houston, I was pretty welcome to go chase work. And so I, I travel a lot, and I, and I have the last six years. And so as I was traveling, and I kind of just got back into strength training, and I was reading a lot more, whether that's you know, was at that time stuff on Elite or, uh, you know, uh, just fucking anywhere I could find information, basically, and decided to fucking start reaching out to people. So, you know, one of the first people I'd reached out to was, you know, Bert Soren and those guys over at Sorenex, and then in that, you know, unravels to Mark Bartley's over there, and uh, Donnie Thompson's over there, and then, you know, had, had some meetings up in Philadelphia one time, so went and trained with uh, Steve Pulsanella at Ironsport, and met some folks up there, and then later got introduced to Dave Tate, and so trained in London at Elite, and then uh, got to meet Windler, and we hit it off, and we've been friends for a long time, and trained with Jason Pegg, and, you know, eventually making my way to, you know, train with, you know, Mark Bell, and then introducing to Jesse and Kelly, and, you know, all these other people, you know, so getting a chance to train with all these people one-on-one, I, I just got, I just got fucking tired of this idea of, of reading about it, of, of, you know, trying to learn through it that way. And I just wanted to experience it personally. I wanted to see what that gym was like and see the way they actually handle themselves and, and, and learn from them as a, you know, as a person, as much as training fucking sets and reps are boring and they're pretty fucking simple. So, you know, it's, it's the drive, it's the motivation that comes from some of these people that, that really makes the difference. And that's where people fuck a lot of stuff up too, is, you know, especially, you know, Kelly's one of those guys that's a really good example of that. And, I'm really proud that I can call Kelly a friend. And, man, it's not just that he wrote a book. It's not just that he's been involved in this. You take about 10 minutes and spend with Kelly and realize that he's got something different, just personality-wise, that he's got something fucking special that other people don't have. And I want to surround myself with guys like that, that have that magnetism, that, you know, that drive, that passion. And that's what I want to follow. That's what I want to 
really helped try to get out. And the Drift to Lift a series, you know, came from me doing that on my own and then realizing that, like, well, you know, maybe other people don't have the means or don't have the time. And so I, I want to share those things to maybe if I can influence that, fuck, let's save some money and go do something like this. Big surprise, everywhere I fucking called that's got lifters is really welcoming. And this was long before I was any good at anything. You know, the, the trick is you just go into a gym and act like a complete fucking novice and shut up and listen. It goes a really long way with people. So what, uh, I guess, who, out of that, out of your travels, what, what stands out the most to you? Or what, you know, what was something that was more, a more pivotal experience that changed the way, I don't know, you train, you live your life, you sleep, whatever. You know, just what, what was one of those things that was turning point for you? You know, probably one of the big ones was, uh, I guess, uh, you know, befriending and, and becoming tight with Windler. Um, just a lot of that guy's mentality is, you know, just made a lot of sense to me. Just the idea of it, it, it's really simple. It's fucking, it's lifting, and it doesn't have to be complicated. And, you know, people that are like, well, this program's fucking boring. You know what? Fuck you, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to train the most efficient way possible, and that way for me is... Look, I'll stop squatting with a straight with weight on my back when it stops fucking working. And until then, keep it going. Well, I mean, the gym stuff is uh, so simple and like so based on the individual that I don't think people have the depth of either self-reflection, knowledge, or understanding to even fucking grasp it. So, like, uh, I, I met you, Jim, years ago, and uh, it was pretty funny. We. Uh, we had kind of been trading emails, and I went out to uh, turn out at Westside. And so I was out there, and I hit him up, and he drove in, and we went to fucking dinner. And it was fun. He's sitting there, we're sitting at the bar, and uh, there was another guy there. And within, like, four minutes, uh, I realized that uh, Jim reminded me of all the dudes that I played football with. Right. And, uh, like, we just had a bunch of drinks, uh, made a bunch of fucking uh, off-the-cuff fucking inappropriate comments. Yeah, you can fart so, jokes. Yeah, well, I, no, it was, it was way... If you know Jim, his fucking sense of humor is pretty good. Yes. Yeah, I'm very aware. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and then the best part is, like, these dudes came over and, like, uh, uh, like fucking obviously spotted me, and they were football fans, so they came over, and then fucking, uh, like, the guy, like, asked Jim if he played, and, you know, Jim said, it was, it was, it was definitely one of the funnier things, so we've been friends ever since, and the uh, thing I've always respected is, like, just this, you know, kind of fucking work hard mentality, just very simple, just kind of go, and I think, like, just seeing like just seeing the variations of his program and just seeing like you know if you if, if you look at gym stuff it's all fucking basic like you know get up fucking lift some weights fucking run hard do a little bit more than you do yesterday uh, you know fucking don't follow a, a fucking fad diet fucking eat I right. mean, it's just all very very basic simple stuff and I and I, I think for a long time I um I try to explain to people I'm like it's really not that fucking complicated. The thing is, is you've been brought up into a world where the more complicated something is, obviously the better it is that you're waiting for some fucking Wizard of Oz to jump out behind the curtain to show you what's behind the curtain, yeah. and there really is the curtain. And right. I think, like, that fucking mentality, and I just, I just don't think people have the, the variation. It takes them a long fucking time to realize, like, hey, man, the, the best stuff in the world is fucking simple. Like, if you even look at a car, I appreciate seeing a carburetor and a fucking ignition wire when you fucking make me plug into a computer and I got to plug one computer into another computer to read codes to tell you what's wrong with my car, fuck, all of a sudden uh, we're in a fucking problem zone. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, you walk into a gym. I mean, like we have uh, our office. I basically built a warehouse space into our own gym because uh, just the amount of just training at a commercial gym or really it's anywhere right. that has people, yeah, it fucking makes you want to kill yourself. Yep. And um, so we built that and like, we don't, you know, it's invitation only. You have to show up. You got to do training. There is no fucking special <laughs> fancy bullshit. It's just 
it's very simple. It works, and we follow a simple program. And um, you know, it's based on fucking show up and work hard, and you know, progression. Do a little bit more today than you did yesterday, and um, fucking you know, just be be consistent and actually work hard. And it's like I, I don't know where in life, and this is something that we run into all the time, where it's become now like working hard is some form of validation. And it's right. like, um, uh, you know, that, that's something that kills us when we, you know, over the last bunch of years. I'm like, dude, work, hard work and effort is fucking, like, that's just par for the course. Like, that's accepted. You know, like, don't tell me that you fucking worked hard. I don't need to see that you worked hard. That's just, that's yeah, a given. Yeah, you should. Yeah, you should because, you know what, like, yeah, and so that's that's become something that's really just kind of fucking, just kind of driving me a little crazy and something I've written on. It's like, you know what, man, like, you're supposed to work hard. Like, you don't get a cookie, you don't get a fucking protein shake, you don't get a pat on the ass because of effort. I knew lots of guys that I played with that tried their asses off, that got cut, and they, people don't reward effort, they reward fucking, uh, you know, progress, they reward, uh, yeah. you know, victory, you know, did you win, did you lose, it's all I want to know. Like, you don't get a high five just because you fucking went hard. And yeah, that, that's one of the things yeah. I, mean, I think I really learned from my brother was, you know, him him only you know playing two years in the NFL. I mean, he was a four year you know a three a three year starter at you know A and M was all Big Twelve, and you know he he's for for most people you know he's the fucking biggest strongest most athletic person they'll ever fucking meet, you know at six five and you know at the time was you know three twenty, and. I mean, ask him, you know, well, why, did, why didn't you play longer in the NFL? Because I wasn't fucking, because they, they stopped wanting to give me checks. Because I wasn't fucking good enough. You know, and I think that says a lot, that it's not just hard work. I mean, hard work's something that you can actually be in control of. I mean, fuck, it's, it's one of the only things. I mean, I can't, I can't make myself any taller. I'm sure shit most likely don't have the genetics or bone structure that I'm ever going to squat like Eric Lillybridge. But I, I can get better. And I can't improve myself, and that's really all it takes is fucking hard work done consistently. And I can be in control of that. I mean, whether hey. you choose to be outworked, that's up to you. Hey, uh, on a side note, how tall is Eric Lillibridge? Uh, six foot at the tallest. Jesus. Yeah, at, at the most. I, dude, I, I, I saw some videos of that dude, and... Uh, I don't know what was more impressive. He had a picture of him next to like another dude, and he was like four times wider. Um, you know, <laughs> he is fucking huge. There's no doubt about it. I guess, uh, man, sometime this winter I was in Chicago for work, and so I, I drove down that way to go train with him for an evening. And shut up. And uh, they, uh, I mean, fuck, they didn't start lifting until like 11 p.m. Like, I'd gone in at that time was doing high volume and finished, like, 10 sets of 10 on bench and squat before they had finished warming up. And I was like, all right, I'm going back to the fucking hotel. <laughs> and it, those guys are fucking amazing, and they're fucking savages. Yeah, I mean, that dude, uh, you know, he fucking squats a grand like it's nothing in training. I mean. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, the only thing I would, you know, he's, he's actually, I, I don't know if he's tanning or not, or the color. <laughs> Uh, but he, he's, he's uh, you know, as Louis Simmons once told me, that uh, purple is the color of strong. That the yeah, more purple you are, the strong you are. Yeah, shade of Anadrol. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. And it's like, I was like, I hope you guys are hitting the tanning salon a little bit because, man, that's a, that's a good-looking shade you got oh, going man. there. You, you're telling me that he doesn't look like a perfectly healthy 25-year-old to you? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, normal, I, average. Yeah, average. I mean, you know, because uh, uh, I'm, I'm just... Uh, you know, 
I fucking subscribe a little bit to the uh, it's better to burn out than fade away. You know, like I think you got to take that mentality play to the NFL. Like you got to fucking go for it. But you know, you also you know, then all of a sudden you turn forty and you're like, yeah, no, I, I got some fucking scars and some problems from that. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's fucking going for broke, dude. I uh, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, dude, that dude is probably. I mean, fuck, uh, Milanichev, uh, I think, just, you know, beat the deal. Yeah. Don't they have some big contest coming up where they're going to go fucking head-to-head in Russia? And, uh, sure. Oh, yeah, I mean, I'm, uh, that dude will probably squat 1,030 or something in a set of wraps. Yeah, Milanichev's a fucking – and that guy, like, just looking at the way he's built, I mean, the size of his knees and elbows alone just built different. Yeah. No, he's a massive fucking human being. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, you can always kind of gauge at how big people are when uh, they get underneath the bar. And, like, you've seen, you know, the, the bars are all standardized. So, right. like, when you see people get underneath the bar, you can kind of see their hand position and where it is. And, like, you watch Milanichev gun underneath and actually, like, the fucking rings, you know, like the, the smooth rings, uh, you can't see them. So, when he gets yeah. underneath the bar, it's like you can't see the smooth rings. And I, like, remember, like, saw a video and I'm like, I said, what's up with that bar? And when they went to go, I rewind it, looked at the bar, I was like, oh, his shoulders are wider than the fucking smooth rings. I was like... Yeah, Eric's, Eric's a really thick, gigantic dude. No, no fucking doubt. And that guy is doing things with, with a barbell and weight that other people haven't ever thought about. Yeah, that's... And that, those guys don't really do any specialized training. They don't do any conjugate. They don't really do... Oh, no. It's, no, it's basically just he- lift fucking heavy weights. <laughs> heavy singles, baby. <laughs> Well, I mean, and they kind of do that, uh, you know, fucking Ed Cohn or even, you know, what those, like, Hatfield and those guys did where it's like, hey, if, uh, you know, you do singles, you work on your bar speed, and, you know, as long as the fucking bar keeps moving fast, you keep fucking adding weight to the bar. Yeah. If it slows down, then you're fucking done for the day or you went too heavy. I mean, it's really not rocket science. Nope. No, I think there's a lot to be said about, you know, but that a lot of that comes with, you know, the years of, uh, you know, being able to figure out what feels fast. You know, yeah. and that's that's relative from you doing a lot of reps. Yeah, no, dude's a beast. I'm uh, I'm excited to see what that guy got, that guy does. I just never knew anybody that knew him. Never met the guy, so I have no gauge of how tall he is. He just I'm like, yeah, that dude's five ten, maybe five eleven, but easily looks like he could be. What he dies down, what the three three oh eight, three ten. Yeah, that guy's allegedly. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, didn't did, did they have some deal where uh, they were calling like the like two seventy five or some bullshit? I saw. Yeah, from from what I understand, the alleged story is that they just like basically nobody in their fucking gym bothered to cut weight, and they just competed in whatever class they felt like. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, hey, I mean, fuck it, whatever. It, it, yeah, I mean, at, at the end of the day, uh, uh, I don't give a fuck if you're 400 pounds and you squat a gram with a set of wraps. I'm fucking impressed. I mean, yeah. if you're you're 300 pounds. I mean, dude, fucking over triple body weight in a back squat is fucking crazy. Amazing. Yeah. Well, you got guys like Chris Duffin squat 880. Yeah, 220. Hell, that guy's a maniac. Yeah, oh, yeah, he's uh, you know, I mean, it, it's pretty interesting too. There was kind of a like, and I'm sure you saw this too. There was like everybody kind of went into uh, you know like the gear lifting, and it, I think it fucking style uh, stymied progress. And the minute yeah. that everybody kind of fucking threw it off and decided, you know what, fuck this, uh, all of a sudden it's now as if the raw lifters are fucking are stronger than the gear lifters. For sure, now it is. Now there's no doubt about that anymore. I mean, fuck, like, if you had a guy squatting a 1,000, you were like, uh, you know, uh, fucking uh, briefs, canvas suit, wraps. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I squatted a 1,000. And I'm, I'm a long fucking side off doing anything Lurley Bridge is doing. <laughs> yeah, I remember when Windler told me that. He said he squatted a grand in that contest, and he could barely squat, like, 400 pounds without it. Yeah, I think my best squat without is about 705. 
So, yeah, I mean, I absolutely was hanging 300 fucking pounds on that suit. It's basically just ride the positions the best as you can. Be strong enough to fucking hold on. Yeah, and then just basically just hit the fucking reverse button and go up. That's it. That's it. No, and the other thing, too, is and the, the one thing that I, I think people fuck up with all that stuff, and Mark Bell and I rapped about this. He said, you know, guys are so quick to fucking jump into the gear that they don't spend 10 years getting strong before they throw it on, so then the gear becomes not necessarily an amplifier. It just becomes a crutch. Well, yeah, well, I mean, you, you only learn how to lift in gear. You know, it's the same thing as you see guys who train all the fucking time with bands. You know, training all the time with bands really makes you very good at lifting with bands. I mean, that's, you know, the body's going to compensate to whatever you fucking, what stimulus you give it all the time. And if you're going to say we're going to be in gear all the time, you get really good at lifting in gear. Yeah. Well, I mean, fuck, that's why, you know, like, uh, and I know when I was out at Westside, they were all about the bands, but, uh, I always kind of like Vogelpol's deal where it's like the chains build fucking brutal strength. And, um, yeah. you, know, you know, I mean, like working on bar speed and a lot of that stuff I think is beneficial, especially when you start talking about, you know, uh, you know, because you think about like a, a gear lift or the mechanical band just completely different. They're strongest at the bottom, whereas you're weakest at the bottom in a, a you know, like raw lifting. And then obviously as you get to the top, the mechanical advantage increases, but in the gear it actually goes down. So you're trying to change right. the strength curve. And I listened to all that shit. And at the end of the day, I was like, that all sounds good, but uh, why don't we just fucking worry about getting stronger instead of trying to fucking game this shit? You know, and one of one of the things I will say, and I'm really glad that I did spend time lifting in gear, is it, I think it's really hard to appreciate that sport without spending some time in the heavy gear. And, I mean, the biggest difference is, you know, whenever I, you know, for a max squat for me, I mean, I can, I can fucking take that weight out of the rack, you know, and it's, it's weight I can abuse. You know, just as far as walking back with it and being comfortable, you know. But, you know, when I squatted a grand in gear, like, I don't know that I was going to stand up with much more than what I was able to squat. I mean, you're, you're fucking riding at 100% of every inch of that lift. And so that that's the biggest stuff that feels different, you know, that you know, my best bench at the time when I was in gear was like four and a quarter, and I did seven in a shirt. We, uh, when I was out there, the, uh, we did floor press and I remember, uh, I think like, you know, we ended, we ended up floor press. I think we're, I, I ended up hitting right around 500 and I think like AJ and those guys were like 495, 505, maybe around there. I mean, we were all pretty close and then they threw their shirts on and were benching like fucking 900 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, wait a minute, you, you know, if you, you know, cause I mean, dude, at best your floor press is maybe 90, 95%. So like. Uh, you know, but, you know, the difference of 400 pounds, I mean, the, the gear definitely fucking adds stuff. I mean, when you got guys benching more than they fucking can deadlift, I mean, it's just, it's just part of the deal. I mean, the, the deadlift is, yeah, is yeah. to me, it is always the fucking equalizer. Like, you see a guy squat, you know, this, and they, they deadlift like 600 pounds, and you're like, wait a minute. Like something, no, that's exactly right. I mean, that's why it's so fucking impressive, like fucking Benny Magnuson pulling, what, 10-15 raw? Yeah. That's, a, that's another big fucking dude. He's an animal, man, and uh, he is very fascinating. I've gotten the pleasure of uh, hanging out with him quite a bit, and uh, he is—he's interesting. The best way I've ever, you know, that I describe any to people is like after being around him for a period of time. If somebody like just kind of leaned over and tapped you, and you're like, "Well, you know, he's autistic, right?" I'd be like, "Fuck, that makes a ton of sense." <laughs> that explains a lot. <laughs> like a perfect example of that is so like one of the things he's done is like he he chases education, but I don't know that he ever uses it. Like uh, he went to beauty school, so got you know like cosmetology school in Iceland, and then also in Iceland like all the different vehicles like snowplows or or uh, 
you know, road graders or any of this type of stuff, dump trucks, bulldozers, buses, all have different, you know, driver's tests to pass. And there's like 30 of them, and he's done all of them, but doesn't work doing any of that. <laughs> so he basically has like a taxi driving around, but yet he has licenses to drive your vehicle in fucking Iceland. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly, it's basically what it is. The first time I took a trip to Iceland to compete, uh, Benny was our fucking bus driver. <laughs> he's got the license. Hey, yeah, he's, and, he's and like, had never driven a fucking bus before. That was the, the shadiest part. It's like, we're sketchy roads and mountains, and man, there's some laughs you just don't want to hear the bus driver take, like on switchbacks. <laughs> like, ooh. <laughs> you know, fuck, man. <laughs> Well, Matt, hey, you know that we're coming up on on our time limit here, but it sounds like you're a well-traveled dude. So if you're ever, I mean, yeah. if you're ever in SoCal, just like every other gym, our doors are open, man. Come, dude, I'd love to get this out. Come hang out. You know, I'm out that way. Um, I do a competition in Costa Mesa uh, in May or so. Oh, well, we are in Costa Mesa. Yeah, that's no where shit. our gym is, man. Yeah, yeah we're we're probably ten minutes from where you're staying. Oh fuck! Well, that makes that easy. Yeah, uh, you got you got a home baby. Plan on seeing me. Beautiful, but uh, no, I can't can't thank you enough for taking the time out of your day. Come fucking chat with us, and uh, and I'm excited to see you in May, man. We'll get to train and sling some weights, and uh, you know, do our thing. Yeah, dude, that'd be great. You know, last year we uh, competed and then spent most of the rest of our time getting blackout drunk at Baja Sharkies. Oh yeah, I know Sharkies. So. I'll take you some. I'll take you some more discreet places that we can. You know, if you black out and you fall asleep, they'll wake you up and ask what you want. Yeah, yeah sure. I got back to the hotel. I'm not yeah. 100% sure how, but I did. So, so Casey, you got to use the force and just trust that it fucking happens. You got to get yeah, this one, man to catch. One of the other guys with us wasn't drinking. His, uh, he wasn't going as hard to paint as we were. <laughs> there you go, the driver. Yeah. Beautiful, man. Well, um, listen, hey, where can uh, – I mean, this is all great information, and the Drift to Lift a Series is great. Where, where are people going to go to find you, man? What, what's your, uh, you what's your social up, media? Uh, um, I hate Matt Vincent on uh, Instagram with the I, uh, H-V-I-I, I, um, on uh, Instagram. And then um, everything's pretty much linked to my website, mattvincent.net or thehate.com. And uh, everything is there. And the, the YouTube is under Matthew Vincent. It seems that I've got a very common name, so every fucking social media outlet I have to require it not to just be Matt Vincent. It would be really, really nice if I could do that, but then I'm like Matt Vincent nine thousand four hundred and two. Well, I was I was bummed out when I looked at you at MattVincent.net. I was like, some asshole has MattVincent.com. Oh yeah, some other asshole, some graphic designer. I, I think they should. They should probably pretty good at it. They should pull everybody with the same name into a fucking arena and, and fight, just fight and takes. Their own fucking name. First of all, Luke Summers, that's pretty fucking common. Uh, listen, I've looked those guys <laughs> up. I'm coming out on top, bro. As uh, he said, meanwhile, he's in the Reno by himself. Uh, John Balborn <laughs> is like a 75 or 85-year-old man uh-huh. somewhere in Missouri. I'm sure I can fucking take him. <laughs> I, know four, I know four other Matt Vincents. No shit. Yeah, like, personally? Like, they're your friends? Personally. Like, I personally know four other Matt Vincents. You're like, Matty, what's up, Big V? Yeah, fuck, one of the guys, uh, you know, is from my hometown, and uh, I, I dated his daughter, which is really odd. I probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Did you have well, nicknames or numbers for each other? We should have, but I think I was just younger, so they stuck with that. So you were Matty then? Yeah, yeah, I've always just been that. I go with Matthew, or whatever. I've been called worse. <laughs> <laughs> but not many. 
No. All right, guys. Well, let's uh, let's let's button this one up, and uh, I guess until next time, Matt. It was a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, yeah, it was great. We covered a lot of uh, very informative information. Yeah, that's that's what we're out here to do. Hey, it's people helping people. That's all it is. People helping engaging people. Engaging in the stuff. All right, guys. I'll talk to you later. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Matt. Always fun. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Follow Matt Vinson on social media by finding him at IHVIII Matt Vincent on Instagram or by checking out his website, mattvincent.net. You can view training videos, articles, and his ongoing series titled Drifta Lifta. Until next time, bye! Music.